Chapter 19, A Formal Gathering of the Lord's Gatherers And ye are called to bring to pass the gathering of mine elect. For mine elect hear my voice, and harden not their hearts. Wherefore the decree hath gone forth from the Father that they should be gathered in unto one place upon the face of this land, to prepare their hearts, and be prepared in all things against the day when tribulation and desolation are sent forth upon the wicked. Doctrine and Covenants 29, 7-8 the setting for a vision I had of a formal gathering of the Lord's gatherers was a relatively small room with only 10 to 15 newly translated beings in attendance. If the meeting were taking place in the great out-of-doors, there would have been foliage in the background, but instead there were walls around the meeting room that literally were shapeless and without form. It was like the special rooms in the holy temples that are utilized for the very purpose that is labeled upon these doors godly rooms set apart and dedicated for the purpose of holy instruction. It wasn't until after I found myself comfortably in the temple-like schoolhouse room that they informed me that I was to be one of the instructors. This caused such a stir and a surprise for me that I almost dropped the items I was carrying. Priesthood assignments are called priesthood assignments for a very good reason. It is because you are being volunteered for something of significance. When the presiding officers conveyed to me telepathically that I was to be one of the principal speakers at this session, I began to scurry around frantically, trying to organize my thoughts and scribble notes on a pad. What were the things that this group of newbies most needed from me? I knew that I was to do my presentation from the pulpit, so I tried my best to focus on what turned out to be quite an impromptu on-the-fly lesson plan. The pulpit was located in the exact center of a raised platform located at one end of the instruction room so that the small congregation could look up at the speakers. As I hurried myself up to the platform, I was only thinking about taking an available seat and jotting down as many notes in a small time frame as I could, while still trying to organize my thoughts and find out from the Spirit what it was that I was supposed to say when it came my turn to give a formal address. Almost immediately, after setting down my briefcase and taking the seat on the front row, I noticed that the gentleman sitting directly next to me on the left was none other than a now-deceased member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. I was so surprised to find him sitting there right next to me that I didn't know what to say or do. Suddenly, before I could even set down my pen and notepad, this elder leaned over and hugged me right from our sitting position with such a strong and powerful and loving embrace that I could scarcely move or even breathe. I was so captivated by the strength of his loving embrace, which was almost crushing enough to keep me completely still, that I knew the very intent of the gripping hug was to keep me entirely focused on what was actually happening in that moment. In nothing more than a fraction of a single second, a communication and testimony was conveyed to me that this good brother had graciously gone through the process of being perfected and thoroughly sanctified in Christ. The power of the holy atonement of Jesus Christ had left him without so much as a speck of imperfection remaining in his soul. While yet basking in the purified joy and soul warmth of his loving embrace, he spoke to me telepathically, saying, I have known you forever, and I have loved you with a holy love forever. Because of who you are and because of who you have always been, I have loved you forever. I am extremely well pleased for, with you for having overcome the world, fulfilling and honoring your premortal foreordinations while yet in your mortal phase. 
so as to be ready, worthy, and able to address these special saints that are being called and prepared to go forth to serve specific missions as newly translated beings. Shortly thereafter, I was figuratively blown away because it suddenly came to my soul the concept that prior to this never-to-be-forgotten encounter with the Holy Apostle, it had never even occurred to me that there could be, or that there might even exist such a thing as a vicarious second comforter experience. I was startled enough at this thought that I went directly to Heavenly Father to inquire about it. Naturally, this is what the little children do. We don't hesitate to pester him with our silly questions, and it never ceases to amaze me how he remains so unruffled and happily willing to answer. In response, it was confirmed to every cell of my being that it indeed has been a vicarious that it had indeed been a vicarious second comforter experience, and that the words conveyed to me during the, that holy embrace were exactly verbatim, the very words that my truest friend, the Savior, would have conveyed to me if he had been the only, no, had been the one to suddenly grab me and press me to his bosom with such power and strength that I could hardly even move a muscle. I took the time after the meeting to reflect on how, for me, this had been one of the more in a series of second comforter events that left me feeling that the very molecular structure of my being was melting away, and I was bursting with an immense nuclear-type energy and joy that no words or phrases from earth language could ever begin to express. I paused to give thanks in my humble and deeply soul-moved way to whom it was due. As I was being released from the holy, loving, and congratulatory embrace of this elder, a man in a dark suit that had been seated two seats to the right of me stood up to the pulpit and began to give his instructional address to the newly translated members of this audience. I wondered who this good brother was that was so tall that he actually blocked a small portion of the view from my vantage point. Again, no sooner did I ask than I was presented with the answer. I was pleasantly surprised when it came to me who was standing in front of me at the pulpit. He was another one of my heroes, in fact, the very apostle with whom I had exchanged tender mercies back with years earlier. With great fondness, I have carried with me for four decades the memory of this elder coming to speak to the little congregation in which I was serving as a full-time missionary. Our little area was so small and poor that we didn't have a chapel to meet in. At the time, I was acting as the personal secretary to the mission president. A family that we had been teaching had agreed to come to church with us on Sunday. After sacrament meeting concluded, we had marched right up to the front so that we could meet this elder in person. What a thrill that was for us. I remember shaking his hand, feeling those special feelings of confirmation, looking up into his eyes and feeling that my hand was small inside of his huge hand. But if my hand felt small inside of that elder's, the investigator's hand must have felt that much smaller. That evening, shortly after arriving in our little apartment in this huge city of what back then was probably in excess of 4 million people, the phone rang. It was my mission president calling to request that I find a way to get our beloved apostle home to Utah for Christmas. I certainly didn't need any explanation, and I don't remember ever receiving one. It was late in December, and I knew that this servant of the Lord must be traveling all over the world on assignments, and that somehow, to be able to get him home back to the warmth of his wife and children and grandchildren was probably the only thing he needed and really wanted for Christmas that year. I had no computers, no Google, no internet, no travelocity, almost nothing except what must have been a rotary dial phone with a residential landline. I remember dialing and calling over and over, 
I refused to take no for an answer. After multiple dead ends, I prayed a little harder and persisted until later that night, I finally found a way to get him home in time for Christmas. This was our tender mercy exchange. He appeared seemingly out of nowhere for a meeting that did not feel like anything of significance. And for all I know, he came just to meet my companion, our investigator family, and myself. I am so grateful that I was able to reciprocate that same night, eventually finding success in getting what must have been an exhausted traveler back to what may have been one of his few earthly refuges for much-needed rest and rejuvenation. Returning back to this training vision, when my now apostolic friend took his place at the pulpit in that holy instruction room, he was almost right in front of me, and I remember how his tall figure partially obstructed my views. Interestingly enough, he broached the subject of how to conduct a common defense for ourselves from intensively evil forces in the last days. His tone of voice conveyed the feeling that he was a little dismayed and disgruntled about the naivete in the answers of the newly translated group of students in this subject matter. I believe he said something to the effect of, I just don't understand how any of you could have ever have possibly believed that you could fight battles against highly organized, intensely murderous and evil forces that will outnumber you so greatly by mere ammunition and firearms and limited weaponry of the lower celestial world. I tell you right now, burn them, get rid of them all, for as of right now you are called to a higher calling, which is a higher order of the holy priesthood. Your training now is in knowing how to utilize spiritual weapons of heavenly powers that pertain to your new millennial format, so that you are fully empowered to function as a portion of the forward vanguard forces that cut through the heavenly darkness and pierce through the anarchy, lawlessness, commotion, and all-out destructive warfare that is about to be beset each community and every country of the entire world. The students were not offended by his scolding because the spirit was powerful in the room and was speaking directly to each of them. They had already received a spiritual uh, confirmation and vision of who they really were as well as the sacred and holy name nature of their specific callings and the marvelous and nearly unspeakable things that they were about to be called upon to do knowing full well that they would be entirely unable to perform these amazing missions assigned by the lord himself without greatly further developing their abilities as translated beings they seemed to be aware that they were one day to comprise a battalion of gatherers within the full army of the hundred forty four thousand gatherers of the lord being sent out into all parts of the world to bring back and rescue the downtrodden, heavily persecuted, and sequestered through teachable, though teachable believers, both member and non-member alike. They had at least a thimbleful of hope in the power of goodness, godliness, and of the opening of the heavens. Why? Because the grimness and awfulness of their circumstances were so beyond belief that they knew nothing short of divine intervention could possibly rescue them, from such impossible circumstances. Many of them didn't even realize until later that they were being brought back to an actual physical geographical harbor, the safe haven of Zion, where they were to be placed in one of the camps of the outer rings, just outside the city of New Jerusalem. Personally, I was so entertained by the tongue lashing these gifted newbies were getting that I couldn't help but smile. I was well enough hidden up on the stand behind the beloved editor that I don't think any of them actually saw me enjoying the scolding they were getting. 
It was obvious to me that the only way to fight evil on such a grand and colossal scale in the soon-to-come end-time battles is through the use of the fullness of the priesthood, calling down fire from heaven and opening this earth to swallow up entire legions. I knew that I was the next one in line to address the group once his fiery presentation was finished, but the vision closed to my view before he finished his discourse and before I was able to see myself preach.